I love that. Love is a great song to end on. We're talking about uh, Jesus being the Savior of the world. We're in the place in the book of Acts in our study uh, and in, our, in the life of our church where God is calling us to study, think about, and act on uh, a teaching about multiplication. It is moving the church, the biblical church that God has created here, and moving it outside of um, the four walls and out into the community where we live, moving it out into uh, other towns and villages and countries. And so we're, it's interesting, if nothing else, and I think phenomenally wonderful that God has not only told us to do this and not only teaching us to do this, but also is moving us into, into the world. That uh, the doors that God's been opening up for us have just been incredible uh, over the last month and a half, two months. Just uh, unbelievable, the timing of God, of bringing a message to the body and then doing this work. So, man, I'm excited about that. Today we're going to continue to look at what multiply community looks like as uh, Paul and Barnabas now are being sent out and they're going out into the world. Last week we saw uh, Barnabas... Went, uh, Paul and Barnabas went to Barnabas' uh, home, to Cyprus. And, uh, and we talked about just the, the fact that when the Holy Spirit works, uh, one of the first things that he does, if it's the Holy Spirit working in us and we are grasping and understanding what it means to walk with Christ, we're beginning to flesh out that commitment to Jesus, then one of the first things he, he does is he brings us back to our home. So for some of us, it may not be literally going back to the place where you lived, all the, and some of you lived here, and you've never left your home. So what does that mean? Well, for, for Paul and Barnabas, it meant, first of all, going to the religious people in their life, going back to the church. And the first place they went was to uh, the church uh, in Cyprus and, uh, and, and began to, uh, to preach the gospel, talk about how they changed, and it was evident that they were different and that the way they uh, were when they left, the way they are now was totally different. So it opened up great opportunities for the church, for religious people to ask questions, to say, hey, what's different about you? Why are you, why are you not the way you used to be? And you, you, you're, what you're speaking and the way you're living is powerful and it's exciting and I, can, and I want some of it, but is it right? Is it biblical? Is it, you know, is this, you know, is what you're doing, is it okay for me to do that? And and, and, of course, they were inviting people to step out of the religious norm, which is the same thing that God's been doing here, moving us outside of the religious traditions that most of us grew up in and the, the legalistic system that we, most of us grew up in and the, the, the uh, dead religion that didn't require any heart or any uh, personal involvement with God. And it didn't, it didn't, not only did it not require it, it really didn't uh, promote it either. So we've come out of that. And we have that to share with the people that you grew up with. So some of you meant going home to your, uh, it's going to mean going to some of the people that you grew up with in the churches that you grew up with. For all of us at the gathering place, we are connected to the Southern Baptist Convention and Louisiana Baptist Convention. It is uh, the heritage of of this church as a whole, uh, although it may not be your particular heritage. It's the call of God for us to stay connected. And I really believe it's for that reason. And honestly, I think it's for that reason alone. <laughs> it's so that we can, when God moves and works in our heart, that he can, he can use us to bring about change in the denomination. Uh, it's local, and then, you know, obviously there are not, we're not the only people that are living 
the way that we're living and doing relationship with God as a focus. It's, this has been a focus since, uh, since Jesus came, right, as we're seeing. But also, there are churches all over the country that are operating in the same distinctives that we are. Maybe not all in the exact same way, but that's what makes churches unique, right? But, but here in the South, man, we're still so caught up in most of our churches, uh, Baptist churches particularly, in this religious bondage. So congratulations. You're a part of the gathering place. You have the opportunity to be able to affect change by taking what you know and what you're learning about relationship with God, abiding in Christ, blessing people, uh, committing to community, and in the specific ways that God is blessing us to do that, and you get to go and show people what a difference it makes in your life. Now, that's not something you have to do, have to work to do, because the difference that we're talking about is, is the fruit of you walking with God. So this week, I met with 29 people. We got 29 meetings this past week done, one-on-one meetings. And all we talked about was doing what God told us to do so that we can see that effect happen in our own lives, that effect not of, uh, of having a quiet time, not of obeying what God says. Um, not, that's not the effect. Right? That's the cause. We're not looking at whether we're blessing people, B-L-E-S-S, beginning with prayer, listening to them, eating with them, uh, serving them, sharing the gospel. We're going to talk about that, but our goal is not to do those things. That is not the goal. That's not the end. All of that is so that we can begin to experience God in a way in our lives where we are completely, totally content no matter what, where we are so determined because of what he's done in our lives to keep going after God no matter what. And, and that we respond to life by going back to God as we see it happening in the book of Acts. Okay, so that's our goal. And that's what we have to offer. So the church is the first place, but then also the community. Those people that you've done life with that, you know, I had to, I feel like every time I've come in contact with anybody that I pastored or was youth minister for in my past, I have to apologize first and then explain myself, right? Because I was just off somewhere. Now that was more church. But there's also, also the community needs to see what a real believer looks like because they don't understand that. You know, lost, really lost people in this community think that God is condemning them, is cursing them, is against them, and that they have to do something in order to gain his approval. We have a great message for this community, for lost people in this community. So that was happening for Paul and Barnabas. Now, they're going to continue to expand. And I've got to be honest with you, man. I don't know how this, again, I think I say this every week, how the rest of this study in Acts is going to unfold because there's a lot of repetition in the book of Acts. And so we're not going to read whole, we're not going to go verse by verse through the book of Acts from this point on, but we are going to hit big chunks of stories and just try to ask the Lord, what principles do you want us to pull out of this that would apply to us as we begin to join you in multiplying the church called the gathering place out into other places? What are some things that we need to know? And so today we're going to talk about multiply community and particularly responding to response. Responding to response. Um, we have a default response to things in our life. Yeah, I remember when, when uh, Maddie was getting married and, you know, we, I had the pressure all of, my, all of her little life uh, of her saying, you better cry at my wedding, you better cry at my wedding, you better cry. I mean, I'm not a crier. Everybody knows that, right? It's very few times that I get emotional. 
uh, you get to see that this is probably the most common place that it happens, right, in this little area right here. Uh, but it's very seldom that I get emotional about anything. So, uh, but I, I wrote Maddie a, a, a note, a personal note, a letter, really, about just how much she meant to me, and I, I wanted to give it to her. So I, I planned a, a time for us to go, and we, we had lunch together, and I handed it to her. And her response uh, was what I expected, but my response was not what I expected. I was a blubbering idiot. Like, literally, I could not contain myself. And we just, we're just looking at each other. We're both just, like, weeping. It's like, what in the world is going on, right? It was, that, that response was there, but it wasn't what I expected. But it was a, it was a natural response to what she was doing. We have, uh, you know, and she responded to what I was doing. And then just had this responding to response going on, right? Uh, stop, don't. And her very first response was, no, Daddy. She, like, when I handed it to her, no, Daddy. Now, I want you to read this while we're here together. No, Daddy. <laughs> that was her natural response. But as she read it, this constant response after response, right, happened. Well, that happens. We all have default responses. And in, and in ministry, we have default responses. Uh, I think the church, unfortunately, the church as, as, a, as a whole, that churches, Christian churches, have done more default responding to to other people's response than we have really responding to the Holy Spirit. We, what we need to be responding to is we need to be responding with the response of the Holy Spirit to the things that are going on. Like when we start developing community, we need to, we need to not measure God's work by the response of the people that are responding to us. And we don't need to respond to them in a way that, that like I told myself today, this is going to be a, a down day for us. Just, I mean, numbers-wise, numbers-wise. Mickey's looking at me like, what? No, it's going to be a great day. Okay, I know you love Jesus. I don't. But anyway, no. <laughs> no, that's not true. All right, so, you know, I just knew we were going to be down today because it's Memorial Day weekend. It's the last weekend that, you know, we're back in school. We're trying to, I mean, it's Labor Day, yeah, Labor Day weekend. For those of you listening on podcast, this is not May. It's, yeah, September. Uh, but I knew we were going to be down today, and I told Talitha, I said, you know, I, I, I need to gear myself up today to be able to walk in there and have a, a proper response, because this is great church. Are y'all with me? I mean, it's great. We're having great church together. We're, we are having a great time together in the Lord. Uh, you know, I knew we were going to have children in the, build, in the sanctuary today because we are, something happened with our kids' workers, probably Labor Day happened. <laughs> no? Oh, just, just don't have any. Like, period, ever. No, like, we're, we're short. Okay, we're just short, yeah. All right, so, I mean, anyway, whatever the case may be, you probably had the same thing, wondering what's going to be happening in the day when you walked in. Uh, so I knew we have kids in here with us. What's that going to look like? I don't know, you know. Uh, but responding to response means we look at what's going on, and we just have a default response. So what we're going to do today is we're going we're gonna to literally look at, and I know this sounds like it's going to be a long time, and it may be, but we're going to look at 12 different responses to, res- to response. The response of the gospel, as, as Paul and Barnabas go out and share the gospel, we're going to see 12 different responses uh, over just a short period of time as they begin to move to different places. So we're not going to read all the scripture tied to these responses, but we are going to read enough scripture to know what's going on. 
So what happens? After they, they leave uh, Cyprus, in verse 13 of chapter 13, this is what happens. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga, <coughs> excuse me, in Pamphylia. <clears throat> and John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand, he said, Men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. All right, so we see something very similar going on here, right? And, and that's why we're not going to read all this passage. You see a repetition because there are, there are distinctives that happen when the Holy Spirit moves. We've already talked about that. If you weren't here for those sermons, go back and listen and look at that. The distinctives of the Holy Spirit when he is moving and working in the church. We find the same thing going on here. Paul and Barnabas are following the Holy Spirit. So there are certain things that will happen. One thing is they're going to go to the church. At this point, the Holy Spirit is moving and working in the synagogues. First place they go is the synagogue. But they give it a response there, and this response is a little bit different. The people in the synagogue say, hey, would you come and listen? Would you come? Uh, do you have a word for us? So the Holy Spirit just opened up a door for Paul, and we know what Paul does when a door gets open. All right, so in verses 16 through 25, Paul meets them where they are in their historical Judaism, following the rules and regulations, and he uses their own history, and like he always does, because this is the Holy Spirit, not Paul, the Holy Spirit takes them back, and he uses their history, and he says, this is what was meant by the scriptures of the Old Testament, uh, and it's been fulfilled in Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of the scriptures, so Paul does that. And then in verses 26 to 41, the Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul, and it's so sweet because God, in this, in this particular passage, God uses Paul's past religious experience to effectively proclaim the gospel. It just really hit me hard this past week that one of the reasons why God chose Paul, of all people, one that was persecuting the church, who was, who was, uh, is because he had all this historical knowledge. He had all the biblical, the Old Testament background to be able to connect the dots for everybody, what was going on. Paul, more than anybody, because of his study of the Old Testament, was able to just connect what was going on in the, in the Old Testament with what's going on in the New. So Paul brings that effectively and, and proclaims the gospel. And in verses 26 to 41 particularly, it's a great explanation of the biblical support in the Old Testament for the sacrificial death of Christ. He talks about, in, uh, let me read just a little portion of that. No, I won't. All right, so anyway, he talks about, he goes back to the prophets and says, this is the one, Jesus is not only the Messiah, but he's also the sacrificial lamb that the prophets were talking about, who would die for the world, whose blood would be shed for the forgiveness of sin. He is the one that, that Isaiah prophesied about, that, that uh, you know, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray, and each of us has turned his own way, but God laid on him. He's the him that God laid on him the iniquity of us all. So I love that about Paul. So he goes back. It's sweet how the Lord uses him. And then the, here's the response in verse 42 of chapter 13. I do want to read this. 42 to 44. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. 
The next Sabbath, almost a whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. All right? A response to response. They asked them to stay in town until the next Sabbath. That was their response to the gospel being spread, to the story that, to the message that Paul was preaching. That was the people's response to them. And their response to to that response was Paul and Barnabas agreed to stay, and the whole city gathered. And the people followed them and clung to them after that. And their response to that, Paul and Barnabas, remember we talked about how the, the man who was healed at the gate beautiful clung to Peter. That same word is used. They clung to them. They, they became a part of community. Those that believed became a part of community. Immediately, they were following Paul and Barnabas around. And what was Paul and Barnabas' response to that response? Is that they invited them and they, can, they urged them, continued to urge them to walk and continue in the grace that they had experienced. So two responses. One, they agreed to stay in the city and, and gathered, uh, gather, uh, gathered the whole city together the next Sabbath. Second response, they allowed these people to follow them around and all week long they were continuing to, to urge them to remain in the grace of God, to, to walk in grace, not in works. They knew what the problem was, was in that city. The problem was religion and the religious bondage and the religious leaders were going to try and bring them back into bondage again. So two responses to their response that we see of Paul and Barnabas. All right, then comes another response to the gospel message. Look at it in verse 45. Gospel message was, was spoken. Here's another response. Verse 45, but when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. And since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you might bring salvation to the ends of the earth. All right, so their response to Paul and Barnabas' teaching the gospel, preaching the gospel and tying it to the Old Testament, was that they were filled with jealousy. They didn't even hear the message. They were just filled with jealousy that so many people were responding to the gospel message. So how would Paul and Barnabas respond to that well they followed the plan of the holy spirit again to leave them and to go somewhere else but they quoted scripture to support what they were going to do right that they were going to leave the jews they came to them first and they're going to go to the gentiles and they quoted scripture i've made you a light to the gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth so they used scripture on their way out right so another, a third response. They, they, again, they're just following the plan of the Holy Spirit. Rather than reacting, rather than using a default response, which would, would have been something like that, and, you know, you know, I've had enough of you guys, and pull out a whatever and shoot everybody up. You know, rather than a default response, I know that's probably a terrible response. Okay, we won't, we'll have to scratch that one from the podcast. But rather than a default response, they followed the Holy Spirit, and they even laughed. They said, listen, this is just, okay, it's cool. You guys don't want it? We're going to the Gentiles. Because the Scripture told us already that the, the light would be spread to the Gentiles, and, and they quote Scripture, and they pull out, and they go to the Gentiles. And what was the Gentiles' response to that? Look at it in verse 48. 
And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. The Gentiles rejoiced and received the message, and many believed. So how did, how did, the, how did Barnabas and Paul respond to that response? Well, it says they, the fourth response that we find is that they followed the plan of the Holy Spirit and continued pursuing the Gentiles in the whole region. They started spreading the gospel to the Gentiles. But we're still not done. The Jews who opposed them stepped up their efforts to be able to shut them up. Right? Again, now all, the, all the Paul and Barnabas are doing is following the Holy Spirit and responding to the Holy Spirit as he leads them in response to these responses. The people are moving. Certain ones are moving forward. Certain ones are moving backward. There's a dividing that's going on. And rather than getting their feelings hurt or just doing a default testosterone-driven response, they are asking the Holy Spirit, following the Holy Spirit, who is leading them. But the Jews are fixing to turn up. They're stepping up their efforts to shut them up. In verse 50, this is what happens. Again, they're still responding. This is still a response to what the gospel is doing in, uh, in, the, in this town. Where are we? So many towns here. Anybody know where we are? We are in uh, Antioch. Uh, Antioch. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Old Testament scholar. All right, so yeah, we're in Antioch. So we're in Antioch, and what happens? Verse 50, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. All right, look at all the responses here. The Jews went and got the political elite. They went and got the gossiping women who had power and money probably and and were wealthy. They went and got these women that they knew were influential and they they, they got them on their side, women of high standing. And then they went and got the leading political leaders, the men who had any kind of influence in town. They gathered them together. And the influential loud mouths of the region began to stir up persecution against them. How did they respond? Our fifth response. They followed the plan of the Holy Spirit, shook off the dust of their feet, which was a sign of them, of God's rejection of them. Remember in Matthew chapter 10, let's look at the passage together, when he sent out the 72 in pairs and they came back. Uh, One of the things that he told them was, in verse 14, chapter 10 of Matthew and if you will not receive if they will not receive you or listen to your words shake off the dust from your feet and when you leave uh, when you leave that house or town truly I say to you it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town so it was a sign of judgment for them to shake the dust off their feet I don't even want the dust of this town to cling to me you are it, it was the same kind of thing as when Pilate washed his hands I am not guilty of this man's blood. It's, it's shaking the dust. I'm not going to be a part of what's going on. And so they walked out that way. So that was one response to these Jewish leaders. It was a response the Holy Spirit gave them. Holy Spirit kept them there for a while. And then now it's at the point where the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, shake the dust off your feet. Does that mean that God is done with that town? 
No. And we're going to see it later. God is not done with Antioch. God's going to do a great work in Antioch. God is done with the response of the Jewish leaders. And he wants the Jewish leaders to know you, ha- you have crossed the line and, and, uh, and there's no return. You know, the, the, the gospel message is going to build in Antioch. And the persecution is even going to be a way that drives it forward. But Paul and Barnabas are doing one thing. They're asking God, how do we respond? How do we respond? So one time the opposition, during the opposition, God says, work. One time he says, shake the dust off your feet. So we need to be sensitive to that. And, and what's the response of the Holy Spirit, I mean, of the disciples at the end of all of this? It's the same response that we all will have and all do have every time we do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The apostles are not looking at the response of the people and saying, oh, this is great. Look how many people are coming. Oh, this is terrible. Let's get out of here. They're not responding to the responses of the people. They're responding to the Holy Spirit. And these responses that are going on uh, for Paul and, and Barnabas are causing them to continually be filled with the, Holy with the Holy Spirit and with joy. Remember when we talk about the abiding cycle in, in John chapter 15, after Jesus gives the abiding uh, passages where he says, if you, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he'll produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In that passage, right, in chapter 15 of John, he, after he teaches the abiding, Talks all about abiding. Then he says, I have told you these things that my joy might be in you and your joy might be made complete. Complete joy comes from responding to the Holy Spirit, not to our circumstances. I have spent most of my ministry in life being, feeling good about myself when people respond to what I'm doing. I'll give you one story. But, but look, when I started realizing the Holy Spirit was moving and working in my life, and there was more joy in that, I started pulling away from that. One of the tests that I believe God brought into my life was I had a friend who invited me to go, and uh, this was after the Lord had begun to show me joy in just walking with him, being obedient to him, okay? So it was a test because I had been spending most of my, up to that point, you know, we just came to Louisiana, and I had been speaking in front of crowds of thousands and was, making, was, fi- was feeling good if people came to the altar or said, showed some kind of sign of response or patted me on the back or came up for my autograph or something, you know. It made me feel good, right? That's where my joy came from, and it wasn't real joy. But now I found, I'm finding my joy in God. I'm starting to get, get that groove. Man, I'm loving it, and God's, I'm responding to what he's saying instead of responding to how people are responding and I don't feel depressed if nobody comes, and I feel, don't feel any better if a lot of people come. It has nothing to do with who responds or how they respond. Finally, I'm starting to get a grip on this, and a friend of mine from my old past wanted me to go and do a crusade, and I, and I, I knew the tension was there. He wanted me to go, what would happen in this particular county of this particular state, that particular uh, association of Southern Baptists, bought the Jesus movie and sent it to every church in the association, I mean, every home in that county. So they bought them and sent the Jesus movie, not the Passion of the Christ, it was older than that, to all the people in the whole county. I think that's a good plan. That's a good thing. But then they invited me to come and preach the Jesus video crusades 
in two stadiums on opposite ends of the county on two weeks, two, week, two Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, one week, another side of the, the county in another stadium on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week. I felt that old coming back up, man, this is going to be great. It's all about me. I'm such a good speaker. They asked me to come. And, man, God started changing my heart on that and said, no, that's not it. Matter of fact, you just stay, you just continue to respond to me. And you do what I'm leading you to do. So I walked in the first night of the crusade, and the crowd was full. Like the, sta- the stadium was full of people. Which normally would have brought me to a feeling of this is really successful. God is really doing a work here. Man, I, this is great. But what the Spirit was showing me as people were walking in is that they were walking in together and they were wearing church clothes and they had Bibles and notebooks and they were coming in church vans and God just drew, the Holy Spirit just drew my attention to all of that. All of these church people were coming in for a crusade that's supposed to be evangelistic messages for lost people. And the Holy Spirit changed my message, right? Or gave me, a, 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 gave me something to do in, in the moment. So the worship team sings and everybody's raising their hands to the Lord. I'm just watching the, watching the group and saying, yep, they're all, they're all believers. Everybody in the stadium is believers. And this is an evangelistic crusade for people who are seeing the Jesus movie for the first time and finding Jesus and been motivated to come to these crusades. And so anyway, long story short, man, I started off, I felt like the Holy Spirit led me to ask a question. How many of you people, uh, it's just everybody bow your heads and just close your eyes. I know nobody look around, typical evangelist, right? Nobody look around so nobody will feel uncomfortable responding. How many of you know for sure that you have a relationship with Christ? Everybody. How many of you are just questioning and wanting wanting to know what does it mean to know Christ? Nobody. Not one person in the stands. So I responded to what the Holy Spirit was telling me to do, and I said, all right, everybody look up. We are changing our focus for this week. Here's our new focus. We're fixing to spend three days getting ready for the crusade that's going to happen next week on the other side of the county. And you guys are going to have to drive to that side of the county if you want to be a part of what I think the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. But we're fixing to talk about what does it look like to engage people, to, look, to build a relationship with people, and to use the relationships you have to get people maybe to come to that crusade, but probably nobody's going to come because this is for us. It's not for them. So we spent that week doing discipleship, talking about how to build a relationship with somebody. We spent three nights doing that instead. It was the first time that I, and, and the first thing that came to mind when I thought about responding to the Holy Spirit instead of responding to what I, what I saw in front of me. It looked like success, but it was not the Holy Spirit, right? And if I had responded to what I, my default response, I'd have preached a good message. They'd all, you know, amen me to the end and walked out and felt good about themselves. And none of us were doing what God called us to do. Everybody getting that? So that's what Paul and Barnabas are doing. They're just responding to the Holy Spirit. So that's six of them right there, right, in these first couple of stories. Now, we need to respond as the Holy Spirit leads us because only the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit knows, as we begin to multiply this church, only the Holy Spirit knows what's going to cause the message to be received and perpetuated in the places where we go. Ultimately, for Antioch, this series of responses included the shaking off of the dust of their feet, but it would cause the gospel to move forward. 
And the Holy Spirit's going to move and Paul and Barnabas to respond differently in the next location. Look at Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Now, that, now at Iconium, they entered into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. All right, pause. Has that ever happened before? Has there ever been a place where the gospel is being multiplied and the, the, Paul and Barnabas or Peter, or they go over there and we see Jews in the synagogue hearing the message of Christ and we see Greeks receiving the message of Christ and both groups believing? Yes. This is default. This is distinctive of the Holy Spirit moving. So they did that. All right, keep moving. Verse 2. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Have we seen that yet? Okay, you starting to get it? Why should we expect that we're not going to experience that if we're walking in the Holy Spirit? It's coming. So they re- so, but listen, listen to the response. It's different. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. All right, so they went where the Holy Spirit led them to go, distinctive. They spoke in a way that the Jews and Greeks believed, distinctive. Unbelieving Jews stirred up trouble, distinctive, but a different response. Remember, at Antioch, they shook the dust off their feet. What's their response to the response here? Unbelieving Jews stirred up trouble. What did they do? Number seven in our list of responses They stayed for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord. They're not shaking dust off. They're staying for a long time. They're finding opposition from the Jews again, but they're not shaking the dust off their feet. What's the difference? Why do they have a different response to the same thing? It's because they know that when the Holy Spirit's moving and working, you need to respond the way the Holy Spirit tells you to respond. You don't just do what you feel. And you don't do what you experienced last time. They could have just said, you know, we learned this great lesson. The Holy Spirit taught us what to do when opposition comes. Shake the dust off your feet and get out of there. And if I could tell you how many times I've heard that from pastors and teachers who were not getting the results that they wanted when they were going, doing some kind of ministry project, you're going to hear testimony tonight of what happens when a, when a man goes after God, abides in Christ, and follows him to a place where people are responding slowly and spends four years and has no converts and is, can't wait to get back. What is that? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has control and he's taking a community where he, and multiplying communities in other places, he needs to continue to have control. We don't need to worry about the response. Y'all with me? Yeah, forget about the response. We're not, we have no expectation. We just have expectancy that the Holy Spirit will continue to guide us every time through that, those decisions. So there's a different response here. They stayed for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, which is, is a response the Holy Spirit will lead us to do. So let's buy into that. There are some places where we're going to go and we're going to face opposition as soon as we walk in and the Holy Spirit's going to say, stay and speak boldly for the Lord. Some of you are experiencing that right now in the place where you work. God put you there. God gave you the job. And when opposition comes, you think, and I've heard this so many times and done it myself, you think, well, God surely doesn't want me here. Nobody here is even interested in the gospel. Wrong, right? One of the responses is the Holy Spirit says, stay and speak boldly for the Lord. Stay and follow my plan, and I'm going to use you in the place where I got you, right? Some of you need that word today, right? Because that's a good response that the Holy Spirit will give us. Sometimes, sometimes he'll say shake the dust off and sometimes he says stay. 
So I can't tell you the default answer when you say, I hate my job and I I really want to leave. What should I do? Here's what I will tell you. What will I tell you? Pray and do, uh, what are we praying about? Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit of you, right? Ask the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit may have you respond by shaking the dust off or he may have you respond by staying and speaking boldly. All right, and then the, the, the next response to their response is the, the Holy Spirit starts granting them grace to do miracles in that place. Now, that's, a, that's also a distinctive of the Holy Spirit. We've seen it in other places where the Holy Spirit uses miracles to be able to identify that these men are my men, right? And we're going to see that regularly in the places where they go. And there are miracles that God wants to do through us. He wants to do the impossible through us at times to be able to reveal to the people that we're trying to share the gospel with that the Holy Spirit is with us and that he's real. But I'm telling you, what, what's the Holy Spirit? What the Holy Spirit is doing here is he is bringing a sharp division between believers and non-believers. The believers were strong, and the non-believers became violent in Iconium. Look at it in verse 4. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derb, cities of Lyconia, and the, to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. All right, so now the non-believers are forming a posse, and they're getting violent, more violent, and, they, and God reveals to the disciples by the Holy Spirit, reveals to Paul and Barnabas that they are going to stone them, that they have plans to stone them, and God tells them to leave. All right, now... The, I hope you don't think that that's a cop-out. And if you do, let me just, just stay with me, okay? So you're going to see some other responses later. They're not copping out. They're leaving for one reason and one reason alone. It's because the Holy Spirit says go. And so they fled. They went 30 miles down the road to Lystra. All right, they got out of that town. And in their hearts, they're so committed to the gospel, so surrendered to the Holy Spirit that, Father, if you want us to die here, we're ready to die. But, Father, if you want us to go spread the gospel somewhere else, we can't do that dead. So you tell us what to do. If our death is going to bring more glory to you, then we'll die. If our life is going to bring more glory to you, then we need to get out of here. And God says, go. And he takes off, they take off. The Holy Spirit leads them. Then what happens? Look at verse 8 through 15 of Acts. Y'all still with me? All right, we're close. That was number 9. Here we go. Three more. 8 through 15. Now, at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. We've seen that before. And he listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him. How many times have we seen that? And seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprung, he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted their eyes, their voices saying to, in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker, and the priest of Zeus, who was, whose temple was at the entrance of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Paul, Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you, and we bring good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And then they go, he goes on to preach the gospel. 
to tell them about the God who is doing this through them, right? So the people here wanted to treat them like they were gods, all right? I've already shared kind of where I went with that. And I got to tell you, that is a hard temptation to get out of. If you ever have an opportunity to have crowds be pleased with you and have, have groups of people that want you to come speak at their church and come teach their, their, uh, their people and, you know, whatever, because they heard you speak, that is a, there's something addictive about that. And that something addictive is not from God. And yet there's so many great ministers who, who fall prey to that. And they want to build their big kingdom. And they, and they don't realize that the, the more that, it, that the bigger they build it, the more they're, they're drawing people to themselves, people being drawn away from the bridegroom, from Christ. It's like the best man of the bride, I mean of the groom, best man of the groom saying to the bride, hey, uh, you know, you're going to be married tomorrow. How about we go out to dinner? That's what, that's what I feel like I was doing. It's like I was trying to woo the bride to myself. And the bridegroom, and I'm supposed to be a friend of the bridegroom, right? But it's, it's, it's hard. It's addictive. I get it. I know what they're feeling. I, and listen, Paul and Barnabas, I love their response. And it would be mine today, okay? But it wouldn't have been mine for most of my ministry. My, Paul and Barnabas' response they, they, to that response to them was no. It's not us. No, don't you dare think that we are the ones that you should be worshiping. We are not gods. We are just like you. There's no, like I talked about this past week, rungs of the ladder. You know, I heard a speaker who said, pastors at the top rung, and the ushers down here at the bottom. Man, I don't buy into that at all. We're all on the same rung. We're all struggling to try and figure out how to get a little bit closer to Jesus together, right? Right? I mean, we're all at the same place. The only thing that gives me any advantage over you is I've just had more years of study, more years of experience, and I, and I have some things to help you with. More failures, really. A lot more failures at trying to get it right. That's why I can speak to this. But that default response, man, they, they jumped on that and said the Holy Spirit led them to reject the attention that they were getting for themselves. And they shared the gospel like before. But the final incident we'll talk about today, all right, so that's 10. Final incident we'll talk about today, we'll get our last two responses. And remember, these, this is as we go out to share the gospel. These, these are going to be natural responses of people to us, and we need to make sure we don't respond in our default way or react instead of responding in the way the Holy Spirit would let us respond. Because these are real-life things that are coming to us. They're, we've already experienced some of them. The final incident we'll talk about today really challenges me in regard to how we respond to the response to the gospel. Verse 19, chapter 14. But the Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. They, the, the lynch mob got bigger, right? They, these are from Antioch, our first place, Iconium, the second place, and they, they're coming uh, to our third spot, Lystra, and they're all gathering together, all these people, the women that were the, the influential Gent, uh, Jews and Gentiles, all these uh, Jewish leaders, they're all gathering together and saying, we're going, they came all, all came together to, lynch, to Lystra with a lynch mob, and they got him. 
And they pulled Paul out of the city. And they stoned him. And left him for dead. That's, that's a challenge. <laughs> that's a challenge for me. I, I, I have felt like, just personally, that the Lord has been teaching me how to respond to the Holy Spirit in the midst of a lot of opposition here, or a lot of struggles over the last two months in my life. There's been a lot going on for us. Now, I'm not, being, I'm not being resisted because of the gospel, okay? So I'm not saying that. But I do think the Lord's been trying to teach me this principle of when life, when it seems that life is throwing you nothing but terrible things over and over again, that one, and by the way, the church is what, man, God's working in your life is what keeps me full of joy every Sunday and every week. It gives me something to live for and something to be excited about and my, my beautiful wife and family. Right, I, God's given me stuff to keep me going, okay? But he sustains me, and I'm learning right now how to be sustained by the Holy Spirit in the midst of a lot of circumstances that seem to be, that would be overwhelming me if I didn't know how to respond. But I know and I'm learning how to respond to those things because the Holy Spirit's teaching me. And it's going to happen. As we begin to multiply the gospel to wherever God leads us, it may be, there may come a time where I'm sharing the gospel in a place and I, my life is threatened because of it. This past week, I got an got a email from Dario, our pastor in Honduras. If I understood him right, when his English is not real good, okay, and he types wrong words, but usually I can figure out what he's saying. Last, a week ago Saturday, a week ago yesterday, he went to a village to share with one of the pastors in that little village the things that we had talked about. When he, uh, and then he you know, left the village and came home. He said, I was just with him on Saturday. He said something about him making a commitment on Saturday, and I think that it's a commitment to, to these distinctives. And the next day or, or later on in the week, he's, he, he, pay, he raises beans and sells those beans himself and was walking them into town and was murdered by someone. Um, it's real for him. He, he is, listen, I, I met a number of pastors who they have learned to raise their own crops so that they can pastor a church. His, they, they have, no, look, a salary, are you kidding me? They don't care about salary. They, they are doing what they do because they love the Lord. He's going to sell his beans so he can keep on pastoring this church. I, I, I'm praying about how to deal with that, Right? But I know that that is a response of this world to the gospel. And the enemy will destroy his God's servants if he can. And I don't know, you know, here's what Dario, I don't remember exactly what he said. Yes, I do. He said, pray that, the, that this man's blood will water the church. Think about that. I mean, Dario sees it. Dario sees that this man's blood has the potential of watering the church to, to share the gospel, to take these distinctives and to, to live them out in front of the, uh, the people that they live around. It may come for us that, that we're going to be, I mean, we already have one of our pastors who died this week because Satan hates him, 
wants to destroy them. And I know God's going to take that and turn it around for good. And that church is going to be watered because that's what Dario's praying for. That's what we're praying for. But, man, you talk about a challenge. Am I going to be willing to respond that way? Look at, (laughs) I love this. Look at the disciples' response and Paul's response to his stoning. All right? They left him for debt, but he survived. Verse 20. But when the disciples gathered around him, gathered about him, he rose up and entered in the city. And the next day, he went with Barnabas to Derb. And what is he doing in verse 21? And when they preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned where? To Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. Where's that wimp now, right? That ran from Antioch? You think he's a wimp? You think he was responding? You think this was a, a default reaction? No, he's, he is so determined to surrender his life to the Holy Spirit and live his life by what the Holy Spirit leads him to do. They leave. Their response, number 11 and 12. Number one, they went to the next city, and Paul went with them, and they preached the gospel. That's their response to a stoning. Now, I guarantee if that little man, that little preacher would have lived, he would be preaching in his church today if he could do it. I want that in my life. I want to have that kind of response. If the Holy Spirit calls me to, to risk my life and to be injured or hurt or, or left for dead, that if I live, I have one message. I have one, th- one reason to live. It's to keep the gospel moving forward, to, to multiply the church as God's given it to us. And then number 12, last response, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. This is where the lynch mob came from, from those three cities. Not only did they return to those cities, but they appointed elders in those cities. So the church is strong. The church is growing in the cities where opposition was strong. And they felt led of the Holy Spirit to go and make some disciples that were of the same, listen, of the same caliber that they were. Go, make, go disciple some men, pour into some men that will become elders that would be willing to respond to the Holy Spirit instead of responding to their response. So there it is for us. You know, if we're going to be a multiplied community, for real, not just in our minds, and it's not just like we're going to go start another big old whatever somewhere, and, you know, this is not cookie cutter. This is, this is uh, di- disciplines and distinctives that cause us to all be different. But the one thing we have in common is we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit. We don't know what the next gathering place is going to look like. And our distinctives don't limit in any way what a gathering place church looks like. It just adds fuel to help the church to follow the Holy Spirit, surrender to the Holy Spirit, and let the Holy Spirit have his way. So we want to be that kind of church. And as we multiply, we have 12 responses, right, that we can, we can look to, things that are happening. I'm sure we'll see more as we go through the book of Acts. But I hope you've been, you've been challenged by these responses. I hope you find yourself and see the reality of the fact that many times what we've been doing is we've been reacting and, and measuring success based on default responses to the responses of people instead of just responding to the Holy Spirit.
Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for, again, just the, the privilege to pastor a group of people who this message can even be preached to and know that these people that you've called together will receive it and walk in it. I pray that you would keep the challenge before us this week, that you would remind us of what it means and what it looks like to be simply, simply to respond to your Holy Spirit whenever people respond to us. Sometimes those responses are good and our tendency, Lord, when that happens, our default mode, our reaction is to take praise into ourselves and to swell up with pride and to try and build things bigger. And Father, I just pray you'll take that out of us, rip that from our hearts. Sometimes the response to us sharing the gospel is going to be harsh and rigid and negative and Father, it's going to cause us to feel bad about ourselves and our reaction default reaction might be to defend ourselves or to change what we do in sharing the gospel. But Father, you have built this church to be a church that just abides in you, that surrenders to the Holy Spirit moment by moment, to the promptings that you give us every day. And Father, it's been beautiful for us and we've experienced such joy. I just pray that you'll convince us today that there's joy when we respond to every response to us by asking your Holy Spirit what to do, by remaining in your spirit, by abiding in you and continuing to find our will and our direction to be in your will and your direction. Father, challenge us this week with that. Move us to the next level of commitment to surrendering to your Holy Spirit as you multiply the gathering place wherever you would, you would have this, a church like this to exist. Father, we also pray for the pastor's family that was killed this week. Thank you for Dario and his ministry there. And Lord, we, we join Dario in the prayer to ask you that the blood of this pastor would water that church, become rich, rich water, full of nutrients to grow that church in their resolve to walk with you and surrender their lives to you. In Jesus' name.